so many of you uh, this morning, March break, and here you are, and good to, uh, good to spend some time together with you. If you are listening online because you're away on March break or still catching up from the time change, uh, glad you're checking in as well, and uh, hope that as we sow the word into our heart this morning that it will bear life-changing fruit in our lives. So um, we've been, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, we've been t- uh, in a series talking about the, this thought of identity and who we really are and knowing who we really are and finding out, um, and, and, and finding out but also helping to determine what we, uh, what we judge our identity to be based in and where we find our strength in that. Um, this week, we're, because it's March break and for a couple other reasons, we're going to take a break from that series just for one week. We'll come back to it next week, Lord willing. Um, but it's, uh, the, and I don't often do this, but with the way things have gone this week, um, I felt like definitely for my own self, but maybe for others here this morning, I need to t- touch on a few different things. It has been one of those kind of weeks for Kingsway family. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had one of those kind of weeks, but even as you've heard, uh, as so, some of the uh, things were going around, it's just it was a bad news week. It started last Sunday. Uh, shortly after church, we found out that friends of ours, uh, the Ferber family, they had to fly out east. Their, their 30-year-old nephew passed away during a church service. Uh, he's got young kids, and it was like just uh, this extremely sad moment. You heard from Dennis this morning about how, you know, they lost his grandfather uh, a couple days later. Um, we were praying with a family this week whose mom had a heart attack uh, and uh, with this with the Stones, yeah, with uh, Sarah Stone's mom, Judy um, Booker, and just that uh, praying for good results and good reports there. And so, uh, that has come, uh, her tests have come back great, which uh, has been uh, good to hear. You know, our friends Brian and Debbie oversee, uh, overseas on a, on a well, I wouldn't call it a mission trip, they're in Aruba, but, uh, <laughs> you, know, they, you know, it's just awesome, except that they were in a pretty serious car accident there uh, last Sunday, and Debbie had a lot of pain and was asking for prayer, just so that they, they'd have to travel, they, possible broken ribs, and just, just, again, one of those things, and then to get that text, and, you know, midweek saying, you know, we're rushing Eden to the hospital, they've seen a mass, and we don't know what it is, it just, it guts you, and all of a sudden, you know, something starts right between the ears, this battle begins, and you're like, you don't know exactly how you're going to, um, deal with things when they happen, because a lot of times you're not expecting them to happen. And I, and I wanted to talk about that. That battle for the mind uh, begins, and fear sometimes begins to speak, and anxiety, and depression, confusion, anger, sorrow. These things rush, rush in. And so my question for you this morning is, what do you do when you find yourself faced with difficult situations, when you find yourself faced with things that uh, like that, that just come out of nowhere and, and, and hit full force. Uh, it seemed like that happened a ton of times this week. And, and yet, as you look through the Bible, it's full of accounts of people who face incredibly difficult situations. And, and so, you know, I, I, I want to touch on that this morning because as I've witnessed my family walking through some of this this week, I've just been so encouraged by how they've, how they've faced and how they've handled things. But then I see others who it's like, it, it's like wave the white flag, we're, we, we give up, you know, we, we don't know uh, what to do in this spot. And I think part of it, part of it comes down to this, this uh, culture we grow up in. We've grown up in a country and a culture that is obsessed with having things be, you know, easier and more comfortable. We just want easy and comfort. More more pleasure, less pain, whatever, whatever we can uh, do to, to make that happen. And we have all kinds of crazy stuff that we don't even need. We want the easy life. We want our job to look like this. This would be, you know, if we can get to there, I can just work from there. And some of you are like, that's not me. I, I work hard. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm a hardworking person. You know, uh, I drive truck or, uh, you know, I'm in construction. But you still take the easy way. Try driving truck without wheels or pulling your transport truck with your own power, you know. Now, you've, you've taken some easy things, right? You got, you're, you're harnessing some extra power. Try building a house by, you know, you have to carve your nails out of harder wood than, than the, the other wood that you're building and, you know, using rocks to hit the, hit the nails in. Now, you've got tools. You know, you, you've taken, there's this, this thing of we want it easier, we want it more comfortable, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. The problem is that I see that spiritually when that affects our lives, that we think we want life to be comfortable and easy. And we're shocked when all of a sudden, sometimes it isn't. And so what I, my, my concern for us is that so often when we're in this uh, comfortable and easy mode of life, that we don't actually properly prepare for battles that are going to come. We find ourselves in that spot of it turns a little bit into a, a, a lazy spirituality and, and it affects us that way. And so I want to talk about that this morning. We just finished our study of Acts. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Acts for I don't know how many weeks. It's been a long, long time on our Monday night Bible study. And as we, uh, as we read that, I, I, at the end of it, finally we get to the end of it and I'm, I'm, we're looking at it. And, and one of the things that I just had the thought that came to mind is like, I always hear people saying, we got to go back to the book of Acts. You know, that's what we got to do. We got to get back to the book of Acts. You know, we all want the book of Acts type of church. And then I'm wondering, have anybody, have any of those people read the book of Acts? Have you, have you read the whole thing past the first three chapters where it's like, Holy Spirit comes with miracles everywhere. Everything is awesome. We want that part. But if you'll read the whole thing, you'll find out there's an incredible cost of discipleship. These guys getting whipped, put in prison, shipwrecked. They're like, everybody hates them. And you're like, yeah, let's have the book of Acts. Be careful what you wish for. And yet, there's something that I see that I still want the book of Acts. I still want that presence of, of God in our lives that's life-changing. And we see that in the life of Paul. Paul for those who don't know, was a man who lived in the first century, a man opposed to faith in Christ. You know, Jesus, uh, as disciples were going out, this was their arch enemy. He's a murderer of Jesus' followers. But then he has an encounter with Jesus, and his life completely changed. He does a 180 and decides, now I'm going to do everything in my power to promote this, uh, this good news of Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. Well, not everybody loves that, and so they arrest him for the claims that he's making that Jesus was the Savior, and they put him on trial. And as you're, you know, in, the, in our study, we learned he's on trial before the council of the Jews, and they can't find anything guilty, deserving of death with him, but they want him dead. So they send him to the next spot, to the governor. Governor um, Felix tries him and tests him. He's like, well, I can't find anything else either, so I'll just leave him in prison for two years. Two years later, Festus becomes a governor. Three days after that, he decides, I'll try him too and see, you know, maybe we'll find something guilty. Can't find anything. So then he calls King Agrippa. So now he's standing before the king of that area and says, you know, we'll try him and see. And like, oh, I don't know, you know, let's just hand him over to the Jews and see whatever they'll do. And, and Paul says, no, no, I, for my safety, I want to appeal to Caesar. And so Paul is going to end up before before Caesar in Rome. Well, here he is in Jerusalem, and they got to get him from Jerusalem to Rome. And so they put him on a boat, and they send him there. And our story picks up in Acts chapter 27. So if you have your Bible, I really, there's going to be a number of verses, but just uh, if you've got it on version, just open up your app. And if you take notes on there, it's awesome, because anybody who's your friend can actually uh, learn from those notes as well. So um, Acts chapter 27 
The story at this point is that they've been sailing and they got partway through their journey and they, and they realized that, that the time where they're uh, traveling, it, the place that they are, winter's coming and they don't want to stay there. It's not comfortable. So they want to get to the next place because it's going to be more comfortable to spend the winter. And Paul says, Paul warns them and says, this is not a good idea. Sailing in the winter is a bad idea. We should stay here. And the sailors take a vote and they decide, we're going to do it anyways. And so they begin to set sail because they want to head to this little place called Phoenix. Phoenix is on the island of Crete. Here's the place that they were trying to get to. This was a little bit more posh than where they were. And so they end up in this boat. And here's where the story uh, takes, uh, takes or continues in verse 13. It says, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought that they could make it. Even though they shouldn't have tried, they thought they could make it. They thought things were in their favor. So they pulled up anchor and they sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength, notice that, it's called a northeaster, burst across the island and began to blow them out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up. They gave up and just let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cotto, uh, where with great difficulty. You see in some of these words, typhoon strength winds, giving up. Um, great difficulty. It says, They hoisted aboard their lifeboat, being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it, because they were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Here they did everything that they knew that they could do, and then they're just like, hands up, we give up at this point. We don't know what else to do. Um, verse 18, The next day, As gale force winds continued to batter their ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. You know what I find interesting about that part is that, you know, when you go through a storm in your life, the things that really don't matter really don't matter. And the things that really do matter really do matter. You know, the, 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 and I would encourage you that as you, if there's a lesson you can learn from being in a storm in life, it's this one. Because the things that really don't matter in the storm really don't matter when things are good. You know, for some, it's like, oh, all the money we can make, whatever we can do, that's what's really, really important. Until you find yourself in one of these spots, you're like, you know what, I could care less about all that money. It's the people in my life that matter. And I would encourage you, whether in a storm or not, to take a lesson from these guys as they tossed everything overboard that didn't matter, to focus on the things and the people in your life who really do matter, the things that matter most, because those other things, they don't matter most. Verse 20, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and stars until at last all hope was gone. Sometimes you find yourselves in places like that where it's like I, hope just seems to be out of reach. It's the stuff you're going through seems so difficult that I, I don't really know which way to turn next. Verse 21, no one had eaten for a long time and finally Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Nobody wants to know it all prisoner telling you what to do, right? <laughs> See, Paul, for those who don't realize, Paul's, he's, he's in chains on the boat to, to this place, and uh, he's heading to a trial. So he's, probably, he's with the rest of the prisoners. He's not getting to ride in style. He's probably in the worst part of the ship. And, you know, as they're, as they're sailing, here comes, uh, here comes Paul. He says, you know what? You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But then Paul, this little bedraggled wet prisoner climbing out in the middle of this storm, says to them in verse 22, but take courage. Take courage. Today's message, that's the title. Take courage. 
None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid. Those words, very similar. The don't be afraid and take courage are very, very similar. He says, see that idea of, of the angel saying, hey, take courage, Paul, for you surely will stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. And so again, he says to the men, so take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> See, uh, the thing, uh, you know, sometimes as we, as we read stories like this, and, 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 and uh, if you've heard about things like this in church, but we've talked about it before, it, you, you can get to these spots where sometimes you, you're reading these stories and we make a mistake. We begin to read us into the story. We think that this story is all about us. And so we're pouring over those verses to see what's the answer for what I'm going through. We see our storm. Paul's in a, in a storm in the middle of the Mediterranean. And we compare that to our storm in, in, a, in the same way that, you know, your marriage is in trouble. Or you just lost your job and financially everything's in trouble. Or you got a report from a doctor that is pretty scary. He's like this... This thought sometimes is we just try and read ourselves into it and say, okay, well, if we do A, B, and C like they did, then God's got to work it out. If I do this, this, and this, then it's going to work out. People read David and Goliath, and they read, you know, David uh, killed Goliath, uh, and it's like, here's three keys to kill and slay the giant in your life. You're like, well, my giant is like, I eat too much. So, or my giant is, you know, that my neighbor is, is mean to me. Or my giant is, we're not talking about the same giant. Were we clear on that? You know, it, the only keys that you can get from David killing his giant and for you to kill your giant is if you're facing a nine-foot man with a big spear, then go out, get five smooth stones, learn how to use a slingshot, and pray. Then it's the same. Otherwise, it's not the same. And so the same as, as we look at with Paul being in this storm, that's not the same as your storm. It's not the same as what you're going through, and yet what you're going through feels similar. You're going to have similar emotions, and there can be similar responses. It just doesn't guarantee a similar result. So often we get so tied on that the result's going to be the same that we end up missing out on the point of the story. The point of the story was not the end of the destination. The point of the story was the journey. Luke took time to write, here's all the stuff that happened on this journey. Here's all the things that happened. He could have just wrote, Paul got on a boat and ended up in Rome. He didn't. We want our story to sound like that. Had a tough time. God, I prayed. Boom. Fixed. It doesn't happen like that. And what that part of I want it comfortable and I want it easy leaves us sometimes in a spot where we have no idea what to do in the journey. And I want to encourage you that we can learn some things from how these great men and women of God faced um, things, difficult times in their life. And Paul, facing difficult times in his life with others, said to them, take courage. What's courage? Courage is the ability to do something that you fear. Courage is to, is, is to have great um, uh, strength in the face of pain or grief. It doesn't mean that the pain or the grief isn't going to be there. It doesn't mean that, the, that it's not going to be scary. It means that you're going to be able to do something uh, great in that time. Great, we have great people uh, that have gone before us with great stories of courage. A few of the slides that we have, Ernest Hemingway said this, courage is grace under pressure. There's pressure, but there's just this grace. That's what courage is. 
courage is this? Um, Bethany Hamilton, the surfer who got her arm bitten off by a shark and decided she'd go back into the water, said this, courage doesn't mean you don't get afraid. Courage means you don't let fear stop you. Eddie Rickenbacker, one of the great World War I flying aces, who also we talked about in our Adrift series because he spent weeks uh, lost at sea in a life raft, said this, courage is doing what you are afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you're scared. So if you're facing something and you're scared, that's the only opportunity you have for courage. We're like, take courage. Okay, that's sweet. I'll have courage. Add it on to my life. You're only going to have courage when you're facing something really, really difficult. And here's the last thought. Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. What is all that? That is winning that battle that begins in your mind. When you begin to face what you might call storms, it's that idea of, I'm in something rough, but I'm not, I'm not out. I'm going to fight. I will take courage in that moment. Paul, a diligent student of the Old Testament, he was one of the you know, class A kids of studying the Old Testament. And, and so we know that as we look back, he had people that had gone before him who had, who had exhibited courage under you know, great difficulty. Paul, we know he would have read the stories for sure. He most likely would have memorized them as well in order that he could be a teacher of them. And so as Paul's sitting on this boat for 14 days in a, in a storm where there's no, they've given up hope, Paul may have thought of some of these, and I want to encourage you with, with this thought this morning, that there are different, different types of people that find themselves in storms, and here's, here's, here's a few. Number one, those that need to be encouraged. There's people in storms that need to be encouraged. And maybe you're that person. Maybe you're around those people. But encourage means put courage into someone. It's this idea of help them understand that you can be great in the face of pain. You can, be, you can have grace under the incredible pressure you're in. It's that idea of I'm going to help put that into you, put courage into you. Joshua, one of the, one of the young heroes of the Bible, a young man whose friend, his leader, his mentor, the, the leader of their country had just passed away. They just lost, you know, his, his greatest friend. And all of a sudden the Lord says to him, Joshua, Moses, my servant, he's dead. And now it's time for you to lead. He's like, I'm not ready. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. What do I do? You know, I just did whatever Moses told me to do. He's like, well, now do what I tell you to do. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, here's what the Lord says to Joshua. And it's just powerful thoughts. He says, be strong and courageous. Be strengthened and take courage, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Then he says, be strong again and very courageous. Why do you think he needs to be very courageous? Because he's about to be very afraid. He, so he says, take courage. When it gets more scary, take more courage. And he says to them, be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them. Don't turn to the right or to the left. And then you'll be successful in everything you do. And so often we have people quote these next verses about reading the word. But here's why you need to have the word in your life. It's because he's saying you need it in order to take courage. He says, study this book. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Study the book means get in the word. Meditate on it means get it in you. Be in the word, get it in you. Um, he says, at night, day and night, so you'll be sure to do everything written in it. And only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. It's not my suggestion. It's not my like, hey, if you feel like it, 
This is my command, Joshua. Be strong and take courage. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Why? Right here. For the Lord your God is with you. You'll see some similarities as you go through the next couple of stories. He says three times he commands them, take courage. He tells them, stay in the word and get the word in you. And God is with you. There's those who need to be encouraged. And maybe that's you this morning. I hope your heart's open for that. And then there's those who encourage others. There's those who are around. And maybe today you're not in a storm. You're not in a difficult life. It's just good. It's really crazy because... Monday night as we sat here for our kind of finale of our Acts Bible study, we talked about how amazing it is to serve the Lord. And, and just as we're, and my mother-in-law, Liz, was uh, sitting here, and she just said, it's, it's incredible, you know, as we think about, yeah, it's amazing to see what God can do and to serve the Lord when everything's going well. And then she said, but you know what? You really learn from these people in Acts to see how they serve the Lord when things are going terribly. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a good thought. To find out only one day later that her whole life would go into this mode of, I'm going to have to live this out. I'm going to have to live this out. Those who needed encouragement, and then there's those who encouraged others. You see it in Joshua at the end of his life. He calls the new leaders together and says, we conquered a lot, fellas. There's still more to conquer. I'm sending you guys out to finish the job. And he says, and I know what it feels like because I was here at the beginning when I felt terrified. And what does he tell them? Joshua 23, the end of the book, says this, verse 6 and 8. He says, therefore, to them, he says, be very courageous. Why do they need to be very courageous? They're about to be very afraid. He says, be very courageous and to keep and do all that's written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right and to the left. And it says, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you've done to this day. What does he tell them? Take courage. Stay in the word and hold fast to the Lord your God. What does that mean? God's not going anywhere. You're in a tough spot. God's not leaving you, so don't leave him. Because that temptation is there. I love that thing of like, so often the first questions we ask are, God, why? When he's saying, you need to start asking who? Who are you going to go into this battle with? Are we going to do this together? Are we going to do this together? Because we're doing this. Are you going to do it alone? Are you going to do it with me? Stay in the word. Take courage. Hold fast, Lord, your God. And then there was those who encouraged themselves. Those who needed encouragement, those who encouraged others, and those who encouraged themselves. There's a story of David. Talked about it lots of times. David was out with his mighty men. He had 400 kind of a band of raiders before he was ever the king. And he'd just go help other countries fight, and, and they would pay him. So he went to help the Philistines, and all his guys were like, all right, we're going to go attack whoever it is. And, and so they get there. And then and the Philistine king's like, well, we're attacking Israelites. You guys are Israelites. We do not want you fighting with us in case you switch sides mid-battle. So you guys go home. And Dave's like, fellas, we're going home. They're like, whew, we're going home. Nobody dies today. And they all head on home. And as they get home, they're kind of cheering, high-fiving. They get over the hill, and they look. And it's been three days since they've been past their home. And as they look over the hill, they see smoke. And like, yeah, the wives are cooking. You know, but then they get, they get over the hill, and they realize that their city is burned to the ground. And as they walk over, they realize that everything they own is gone. And and then they realize their wives and their children are are gone. And they begin to look at David and they're like, man, this is all your fault. 2 Samuel chapter 30 tells us us how it went. It says this, David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. It says this, but David found strength. 
those same words, he encouraged himself and the Lord is God. He finds himself in this rotten place and he's like, I need encouragement. And they're like, yeah, we'll just stone you. Your problems will be over. Like, I don't need those kind of friends right now. I need, I need to be encouraged and has nowhere to go. But what happens? He encourages himself in the Lord. And, and we're like, okay, that's what I need. How do I do that? I'd love to tell you the next verses say A, B, and C. This is what he did. It doesn't. It doesn't tell us. All that it does tell us is that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he encouraged his men and said, you know what? Let's go find them. You know what? Whatever we find, let's go take care of it. And so they, they all run after these guys. Well, they get everything back. But David doesn't know that in this spot. He doesn't know that his wife and children are alive. He doesn't know they're going to get everything back plus a ton more. He doesn't know any of that. He's sitting in the spot of, it's out of my control, and I don't really know. But, but it's not fully. There's something he can do, and it's that idea of encouraging himself and then encouraging others. wonder how he does it. Well, Psalm 42, we don't, we don't know that he did this at this point, but we know that he wrote Psalms, and he describes the process in the Psalms. Psalm 42, Psalm 43, if you're going through some tough stuff, read them. We read Psalm 23 as well, which is an amazing, amazing one. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will take courage. Why? You are with me. You see that pattern over and over and over. He says in Psalm 42, verse 6, he says, My God, now I am deeply discouraged. Sometimes we think faith is you can't talk about what's really going on. It's like, don't say that. Don't speak, don't speak death over things. Like just la-di-da, just pretend it doesn't exist. But he didn't say that. He's honest about what he's really going through. God, I am deeply discouraged. But he begins to have this conversation with himself. This battle happens between the ears, and he begins to say, but I will remember you. It's not like David's like, I forgot there was a God. <laughs> he's like, I'm in a tough spot, and it really sucks right now. But I'm going to turn my focus to you. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my mind on you. He says, you know, I might be in a really tough spot, but verse 8 says, but I know that each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love on me. I don't feel real good, but I know that that's what's true. And through each night, I'll sing his songs. His praise will be on my lips. I'm going to pray to God who gives me life. And then he begins to talk to himself, and, say, and it's okay to do that sometimes when it's like this. You're talking to yourself, it's like, soul, he says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'm going to put my hope in God. You know, why, is my, why am I sad? Because everybody hates me right now. You know why? Because it's a really difficult spot. That's why I'm sad. But I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm not staying there. I'm not letting fear take me out. I'm letting anxiety and all this other stuff win the battle. Because that's, that's the part I do get to decide. And God, I, I'm turning my heart to you. I will praise you again, my Savior and my God. He's honest about how he feels, but he focuses on what is true. And in each of these stories, you see that they're reminded or they remind themselves of who God is and what he has said. They remind themselves of who God is and what he has said. And if you find yourself in that place, I challenge you, remind, remind yourself of who God is and remind yourself of what he said. Too often, though, we aren't sure what he said. It's like, well, I better go to church on Sunday and see what the Bible said. Maybe Mark will tell me what the Bible said. He's saying, you know what, sometimes you're going to have to remind you of what God is, uh, of who he is and what he said. And you see Paul doing that as we come back to our story. Paul does the same thing on that boat. As they're in the boat and they've been lost at sea for two weeks. It's not a cruise ship. It's a cargo ship with 276 people on it. 
276 people have tossed all of what they, all their cargo, all their supplies, all their food, and all their hope overboard. 276 saying, we give up. And one little guy in his chains, in his sopping wet clothes, says, listen, everyone, take courage. Like, put them back in the hole. We don't want to hear no positive speakers. He says, take courage, men. And here's why. Take courage. It will be just as he said. God spoke to me. It is going to, we're going to be okay. We're, ship, we're getting shipwrecked. It's not like, oh, it's, it's over and it's easy. There's going to be some stuff we got to do on the process, but it's going, it will end up just as he said. And Paul's journey does end up just as God said. He ends up shipwrecked on Malta, and they're like, okay, we're done traveling. They stay there for three months of the winter. When it's better to travel, they head to Rome. And in Rome, he ends up under house arrest in prison. And uh, that's kind of where his destination was. But as he's there, he begins to write letters. Can't go out and talk to anybody, but he'll, he'll write to them. And so he writes this to this group of people in Ephesus. He writes to the Ephesians in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. You know it if you've been to Sunday school. It comes right before the armor of God. He says to them, finally, the last thing that I want to say to you, take this letter, send it to everyone. Here's my final thoughts for you as followers of Jesus. He says, be strong, be strong, be strong. Take courage in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do you know what he's saying to them? He's saying, you be strong. God's not going to do it all for you. It's not just this idea of like, you know, if God wanted me to be strong, he would have made me strong. He's like, you take courage. Yeah, it's scaring the living lights out of you. Be strong now. It matters now that you decide to be strong now. Get ready. And my challenge for you is maybe you're not in a, maybe you're not in a battle. Maybe you haven't had any bad news lately. My prayer, my hope for you is that it's 10 years down the road before you have to hear something. Possibility is it's 10 minutes away. So what are you going to do now to be ready for the battle that's ultimately coming? Those battles of the mind are coming. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, I decide now. I'm not even in a battle, but I'm choosing truth instead of lies. I'm going to choose to have faith, that shield of faith instead of fear. I'm going to have peace in my, in my mind instead of anxiety. How am I going to do that? I'm going to set my mind on him because perfect peace have them who love thy law. God, I, I will not worry about anything, but with prayer and supplication, I'll let my request be made known to you. And, and, the, and, and the peace of God that passes understanding, let it guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. What will we do? Some think like the armor of God is just simply, you know, a prayer. I pray, God, I put on my helmet of salvation. I put on my belts of truth. I put on my breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace. I'm good. You know, shield of faith, sword of spirit. Good to go today. I pray my prayer. It's not what he's saying. He's like, you need to use truth. When, when those lies begin to enter your mind, saying all hope is gone, you know, or you're alone or whatever. He's like, no, truth says, belt of truth says, he's with me. Belt of truth says this. I'm not, I'm not holding on to that. So you don't get to decide when the tough times come, and you don't get to decide what they're going to be. Because if we did, Tanya, I'm definitely not choosing to have a report of a tumor in a nine-year-old happen in my life. I know those parents are definitely not choosing to have that happen in their life. You're not choosing for your marriage to be going, you know, to the crapper. You're not choosing for, to lose your job and be on the verge of bankruptcy. You're not choosing to have your children, your teenage children, making crazy decisions that are, you know, you've got to end up in court with them all the time. You wouldn't choose any of that. You don't get to choose that. But you do get to choose a few things. You get to choose how you're going to face those, those storms and trials, and you get to choose who you're going to face them with. And you get to choose that now. My encouragement to you is this. Not only take courage, but take courage with you. 
have that settled in your mind that, you know what, wherever I go, whatever I face, my first response will be, I will take courage. And it's a thought, you know, years ago I had a scuba diving license. I was able to travel around the world and go scuba diving. It was awesome, except it cost me too much on my life insurance, so I got rid of it. But, you know, the idea of scuba diving is when you end up in the depths, you only survive down there because you took your atmosphere from up here down there with you. And so you don't breathe the water around you. You breathe the atmosphere that you brought with you. You prepare ahead of time and make sure you have enough air down there that when the pressure gets even stronger, you can take bigger breaths of air and that you, that same internal pressure outweighs the pressure that's coming in on your body from the force of the water. It's very similar in life. As you begin to you find yourself in the difficult depths, the situations that are just putting that pressure on you, you only survive if you've got and, and trust in the truth of his word rather than it focusing on the circumstances around you. You've got to take your atmosphere with you. You've got to decide now that I'm going to put his word into my heart now. So many, it's like we're drowning and then you're looking for air. He's like, take it with you. Get your spiritual economy up. Be spending time on you version in the word every day. Join a Bible study. Join a small group. Find a way to sow his word into your heart regularly. This week at our small group, we we're studying Matthew 28. I loved it. Matthew 28, verse, verse 18 to 20 says this. And this is, you know, where we kind of take it down finish off. How does all of that affect me? Jesus came and told his disciples, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He says, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations. You know, he's saying to his disciples, go make more disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teach these new disciples. Who are the new disciples? Well, the ones that they went out and made into disciples. What do we teach them, Lord? Teach them to obey all the commands I have given you including the command to go and make more disciples and, and tell them to go and make more disciples and go and make more disciples. So it's like it says they teach them that. Go and make more disciples. Go make more disciples. Go make more disciples. To the today, whereas being a disciple, saying to you, go and make more disciples, but know this. Be sure of this. This is what you can tell the disciples as they continuously from now till eternity that I am with you always. I, Jesus saying, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, the end of the age hasn't happened, so that, what does that mean? He's with me today. He's with you today. He's with Eden today. He's with Brian and Debbie today. He's with the Ferbers uh, out east today. He is with you today. He is with you today. What does that mean? It's incredibly powerful when you think of that. When I was a kid, we sat in our bathroom, and on the wall, right in front of us, was this Footprints poem which many of you, probably everybody's read. You know, this was the exact same one that was in our uh, same sun, same everything. And such a powerful spot because it talks about a man who just says, God, as I see my life kind of flash before my eyes, that I see the difficult times and I see you and me, two sets of footprints in the sand. And he says, and then God, I see the worst times in my life, all the stuff that was like those terrible times. He says, and, and that's when I see only one set of footprints. God, how could you have left me when I needed you the most? Why do they write that? Because that's what it feels like. Though it feels like you're alone, he said, I've never left you. You're never alone. Well, it feels like I am. There's no God. How could there be a God if this is all happening? That's not true. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And it puts it so well. It says in the end, the Lord replies, my precious, precious child, I love you. I would never leave you. During the time of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. I see my family experiencing that this week. Just that sense of God carrying them. It is incredible to watch. But I know that they've been sowing into their hearts up until this moment. 
not knowing it was coming, but being ready for it. For you this morning, would you do that so that when it feels like you're alone, you don't waste any time, not even a second, blaming God, questioning God, why God? It's that idea of God. Man, it sucks, but I'm glad it's you and me. I'm glad I got you. I'm glad we're in this together. And here's the last thought. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4 says this, incredibly powerful. Paul says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And most likely he wrote this being in prison because that's where he wrote most of his stuff. He says, God is our merciful Father. And here he is praising God. He's like, he's the source of all comfort. That word, encouragement, same thing. He's the source of all encouragement. He encourages us in all our troubles so that we can encourage others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give the same encouragement that God has given us. And so my challenge and encouragement to you this morning is this, that as you are, maybe you've gone through a storm, maybe you're on the brink of one, or maybe you're in a place, you know, where everything is good. You fall into one of those categories of either needing to be encouraged, needing to encourage others, or needing to encourage yourself. And I would challenge you to do that. Because on the other side, there may be someone who needs to hear it from you. Maybe you've gone through something where you're like, I've been there. I know what it's like. And yet, I'll remind you of who God is and what he said. I'll remind you of who God is and what he said. It's not going to change the outcome, but it's going to change the journey. Fear and anxiety and all of that stuff doesn't worry, doesn't change the outcome. It just totally wrecks the journey. You're going to go on that journey whether you like it or not. How are you going to go down it and who are you going to go down it with? And I leave you with these thoughts because there's some things that, that some of these people this morning would have said to you. If you could have heard their voice, Paul would say to you, take courage, people, because you're going to need it. Take courage. You're going to need it. Whether you know it or not, do it now. Joshua would tell you, just because it's promised doesn't mean it's easy. And when you get a promise from the Lord, hold on to it, but it's not going to be easy. David would say when everything feels, when it feels like everything and everyone is against you, he's for you. As his child, he is for you. Jesus would say this, stay in my word and keep my word in you. We're going to look at that in our identity series. Stay in my word, keep my word in you. That's what you can do now. Be encouraged and be an encouragement to others is what Jesus would say to you. And the last thought is this, when you feel alone, you are never alone. When you feel alone, you are never alone. Would you reach out and grab my hand and let's walk this thing together? Would you let me carry you instead of running away from me? Would you allow the word to just carry you through? It can't carry you if you don't know it. Would you take the moments now to either strap that, that oxygen tank on your back, that atmosphere of, of, of his word, of his life, of his strength? Like we shared at the beginning, it's amazing that as we just taking time regularly in the word, that those are the verses that came up. Chris shared it with our worship team this morning. The day that they're, that they're looking for um, uh, the results of a mom's heart attack. There's a scripture verse that comes up, something about my flesh, and though my flesh may fail. It's, it's this verse that comes up and they say it, and then they get a good report and see that God's healing hand in their life. For us, is this idea of, you know what, put your trust in him. Your hope, it's going to be there because not because of you, not because the situation changes, because you've got Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It's time to live it out. Time to live it out. This morning I'm preaching mostly to me. That reminder that I needed <laughs> to say, you know what, it doesn't matter what we face, I'll be encouraged and I'll encourage others because we got him on our side. He's with us. He's with you. 
man, that'll change everything in your, in your life as you walk through whatever your storm may look like. The truths are that he's with you. Stay in his word and keep in his word. And above all, take courage. Take courage. Yeah, it's scary, but you got him with you. Take courage. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's alive. It's powerful. It lights us up on the inside. It just gives us the strength we need. <laughs> so we see it all throughout Scripture, and we learn from their lives. Lord, help us to live our lives in that same way. So we take your challenge this morning to be courageous in the face of great danger, in the face of great fear. God, our confidence is in you, because we know that you are with us. As each one of these amazing people goes into their life and faces this different struggles and different levels of difficulty, that, Lord, that, that Holy Spirit, you would clearly remind them that you are with them, that they'd rely on you, walk with you, trust in you, and may they find that that, that truth is, is what you said it is, that it will give us life, that it will bring peace, that it will give hope, that it will be our joy, that we'll be more than conquerors because of your love. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are an amazing God. Your love for us is incredible. May we reflect that to our world this week as we live for you and with you and in your name. Amen.